You are tuned into Black Women Speak with Colette Williams and Dr. William Tyardy Howard on the Black Talk Radio Network. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. It is a toasty, toasty Wednesday hump day right here on Vision Media, Black Talk Radio Network. I'm so excited about today's show. I am your host, Colette Williams, along with my surprise guest, co-host, attorney Amos Jones, all the way from the East Coast, baby. We're going to have a great conversation. Thank you for joining us and thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Black Talk Radio Network. We've got a great show this afternoon. Folks, we have got attorney Anthony Graham, who is from Graham and Associates. He's going to bring us, enlighten us, and give us the real deal on what's going on with hair relaxers, how women have suffered, how Black women have suffered due to what hair relaxers have done. And he's got a very, very, very compelling story to tell, very compelling information. This is going to be something that you don't want to miss. And I'm so glad that we're all here this afternoon. This is going to be a great show. And yes, I am your host, Colette Williams, along with my brand new co-host, Mr. Attorney Amos Jones. And I'm so glad he's with us. He's got a stellar background, also a professor at Emory University there on the East Coast. And I'm excited because folks, you gotta hear this guy. He is incredible. I love to hear attorney Amos Jones talk because the nuggets, the gold nuggets of information that he drops and shares, it's incredible. When you finish with the conversation, you're going, wow, really? Yeah, he's the real deal. So then you'll know exactly why I wanted him to be here with me this evening. Attorney Jones, how are you? Well, Colette, it's good to be back here with your wonderful audience and this outstanding attorney guest we have tonight for some very important and big topics um, in this uh, injury matter and this exploitation, I think, that's happened over these years with unsafe products. Uh, I will only say of that wonderful introduction you gave, if it if it's true, it takes one to know one. So right back at the Colette Williams. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Well, you know, I always tell you I'm excited about the conversations that you and I have, and it makes me just, it, it really turns on. And I, I, I get turned on, and I'm listening, and I'm going, that didn't come out right. But anyway... I'm, I I'm listening. <laughs> I, I know, right? <laughs> Jimmy Kimmel would say. Jimmy Kimmel would say that. I'm that. flattered. <laughs> I'm so flattered in so many ways. Yes. <laughs> Be flattered. Be flattered. <laughs> well, we're going to get started because this is not a one-off conversation. This is going to be an ongoing conversation with Attorney Graham. This is going to be something that we're going to take a very, very hard, serious look at. We're going to have great information disseminated this evening. We want everyone to listen. We want everyone to hear this information. The interesting thing is we all look at television, I guess, 
and we all see the commercials where they say, take Ozempic, take Ozempic, take this, take that. And then before the commercial goes off, there's a disclaimer. If you take it, you could be injured, lifelong injuries, and you could kick the bu bucket. Come on. Come on, big pharma. You mean to tell me you're putting all of this stuff out there. You're going to have this disclaimer. You're going to have this reaction to it, that reaction to it, that side effect, that side effect, cancer, heart disease. Your kidneys will stop. Your liver will stop. Your eyes will go bad. Your skin will crawl. You have this. Just deal with the, the first injury. Don't take the medicine because that's going to do more. So why? So you're not going to listen to me. You're going to listen to attorney. Anthony Graham. So I'm so glad. I'm so glad that you're here. So uh, Anthony, attorney Anthony Graham, please tell us about yourself. Tell us who you are, where you are, and how we came to know you and what your, your background, of course, but why you want to have this conversation and why you're doing this in this community specifically. Well, uh, my background. Well, first, let me say, um, I guess I should apologize to everyone. I'm sort of mansplaining because I'm a middle-aged white guy talking about black women's hair. And I know that's unusual, um, but I like to think of it as more of an environmental and product liability issue. And it doesn't matter to me that it happens in this case to be black women. Um, lawyers represent everyone um, who can afford their retainer, of course, but we represent all um, parts of the community. I've tended to be a plaintiff's lawyer and represented uh, in a lot of different areas, but certainly in the environmental area, the people who are actually being made sick by specific products um, or specific locations. Um, my background, as you can probably tell by the accent. I was born in England. My father was an American officer in the US Air Force. My mother was English. Um, I came over here when I was a little boy, um, loved it. He then got stationed back to England, retired there. And then I came over here to attend law school, um, what seems like a million years ago, uh, wasn't intending to stay because I had just gotten married to my wife, who's Irish, and said to her and to her mother, we'll be coming back and I'll practice in London or in Dublin. And here we are 40 years later. Um, I practice mainly in the class action context, but also in what in California is called 17200 which is a business and professions code, um, all-encompassing statute. It's very simple and straightforward. It allows lawyers like me, for example, to attack not only unlawful conduct, but wrongful conduct. And that can be stuff that's legal, but is still wrong. Um, luckily enough, California has that. There are, I think, about nine or 10 states that currently have it, a form of this. Um, you asked why this? Well, a friend um, who I work with, Good Deal, sent me the study to read, which I did. It's uh, less than a year old. 
And it goes into a lot of detail about certain um, products which are aimed at black women. Um, and in a lot of cases at very young black women to encourage them. And I don't think there's any other way to put this to look more like white women. And my own reading is that black women, and again, I, I don't want to preach because obviously I'm not a preacher. Um, but this has allowed me to do one of the things I love to do as a lawyer, which is to learn, especially as a litigator. I do trial work, but most of my trials involve different subject matter. So I'm constantly learning, which is what I love. And here I'm in an area that I would never have thought to pick up a book about, to learn about um, the black female experience in America um, and how it's led to an odd situation where black women have been encouraged to think that their very blackness makes them not beautiful and that the only way to be beautiful is to not have that hair the way it is, the texturized hair. They have to have it straightened and tamped down to look more like white women. And as I said to you before the program, one of the things that happens when you get into a particular subject is you start on television looking at ads. And one of the things that's really surprised me, and I'm sure I've seen it, I just haven't focused on it, is how many ads for black hair products for women, the actresses or the models in those um, ads have dead straight hair as if that is the way black women should look. And um, I think one of the reasons to take it, other than I think it's an interesting uh, lawsuit, is you've got a very strange situation here where black women are being told, here's the way you have to look. And from what I can tell, they're trying to do that. And as it turns out, doing that is going to kill them. Because the specific products, and I've got the list here, that black women use cause very serious cancers, uh, specifically uterine cancer. Mm -hmm. um, and I think we need to do something about it. Now, I would love the situation to be that I don't need to bring a lawsuit. I would love if your listeners and everyone they talk to would simply stop using the products. Absolutely. Because this is America. Yes. And the way to stop big pharma doing stuff like this, because they know these chemicals are in these products. Yes, they do. Stop yes. buying them. Stop buying them, yes. And my, my experience over 30 years is products like this that have deadly chemicals in them almost always can be altered and a different chemical used, which is not deadly, but it is much more expensive. Yes. And that's why they don't use it, is right. to keep the product price down and the profits up. Yes. Um, that's, that's a fairly common thread in all of these cases. Yes. There's a yes. way to adjust these products. Um, the companies don't want to do it while they're making massive profits. Yeah. Uh, one of the, the odd things, I'm going to pull this up so I don't misquote it, is that 
black women account for 5% of the U.S. population. They buy 22% of the country's hair care products. Mm-hmm. Um, and as to the straighteners, it's it's just your your market. It's like 85%. <laughs> Yeah, it's deadly. This stuff is bought by black women. You even have your yeah. own area, which I noticed the other day in um, pharmacies. You know, when you go down the shampoo aisle, yes. mm-hmm. there's an area set aside for black women. Um, That's true. Which is fine. You know, all hair needs different kinds of products. If I can leave one message, it would be just stop using these products. That's as a lawyer. As a human, um, maybe stop worrying about trying to look like a white woman mm-hmm. and be proud of your own individual beauty. Because mm-hmm. every race has their own beauty. Um, yeah, every race. I'm just going through it as a Brit, thinking about all the races in the world. And that would be the way to save yourself, because that's the part of this that I find really uh, disturbing is women are trying to be something they're not. They're, they're not. Yes. And at the time, they're killing themselves. Yes. So, yeah. And we that's have. Who been... I am. That's what. And I took it because um, it's just a fascinating area. It's your humanity. So that's well, the. Way I'm a lawyer, so it's <laughs> <laughs> humanity, but it's also a good case. Yeah, uh, most I'm lawyers sure want a good case. They don't want to sure. something and lose. Right, right. Well, no. the the other is that, as I said, it is your humanity, and the overarching is a long time ago, decades ago, a hundred years ago. We our orientation was to be accepted, and in order for black women to be accepted, we had to look like our white counterparts. So we had to have hair straighteners. We had to have all kinds of things that made us look acceptable. We've all been through it. All black women just about have been through it. So we had to be accepted. Go ahead, Amos. And the first self-made millionaire woman of any color or race in the entire world was who? But Madame C.J. Who had all these creams and hot combs and grease and all this stuff, and she made a fortune and was the first self-made woman of any race, a millionaire in the entire world here in the U.S. about 100, 120 years ago. And uh, and now, I really honor what you're doing. We're going to talk about the case, Anthony Graham, and get into the, the claimants, the class, how the class has been carefully defined, what the status of the litigation is how people can get involved out there, these victims. Um, I don't know Attorney Anthony Graham. This is the first time I've ever seen Attorney Anthony Graham. I am not in these cases, so but I'm going to direct all the African-American women out there, if it's appropriate um, at the end of this, uh, for in terms of the procedural posture of this case, I'm going to tell you to call his office because there's probably a hotline or something where victims can come forward. And I was not asked to do this, but you owe it to yourself, women out there who have not already signed up somewhere. um, um, Or, and I'll say it because I'm not connected to Anthony Graham. If you're not happy with that, which you did sign up with, there may be a way out because there are other attorneys doing this 
these cases. And I would encourage you to go with attorney Anthony Graham because he's here on the Black Network tonight. Yes. So I say that if Absolutely. someone not connected to these cases or to him or uh, or uh, or anyone else in this. And we'll get to the case. But you're treading on dangerous territory economically, Attorney Graham, because Africa's a great big market, and now those sisters are doing it too. They're laying yes. out with the relaxers and the and the hair. They've gone from the natural, gone from the braids and dreads, and now they're doing it too. They even do it to their skin. The white ladies in America call it tanning. In Africa, they have toning where you basically bathe in bleach cream to make your skin lighten. And really? even black Americans don't do that. At I least they don't pay for the beach wow. Yeah, the toning rather than tanning. So, you know, Africa's a huge emerging market, and the, a lot of those women are doing the same thing to themselves. And so um, I'm now, so it's just thank you for what you're doing because it's when you start going into people's profits, um, as, as big-time attorneys really understand where to hit them, uh, it can be dangerous. And so okay. thank you for what you're doing out here. They make a lot of money off this vulnerable group, these companies. And, uh, and you're calling them to account. So let's talk about the case. Tell us about how the case came about, how you all fashioned the class, how it was built, and what the procedural posture is all the time you need. There is, the first case was filed in Illinois. What our intention is, is to have a mass tort, uh, which will involve a number of jurisdictions. I'm handling California. We have yet to file here because we need to find a plaintiff, a class plaintiff. That mm -hmm. is a woman likely to be an older woman um, because the way these chemicals work, most of the women who are getting endocrine-related uterine cancer are in their 50s and 60s because they've been using these hair products for decades. Um, so we're looking for someone who can represent herself and her life experience, um, but also represent however many tens of thousands of black women have in fact been impacted by these products. Um, the way this will work is once we file, which would be in federal court, we would then consolidate with the other cases. I have a colleague who's going to be filing on the uh, East Coast as well, because obviously these products are sold everywhere. Mm -hmm. um, and they're all quite similar. I mean, you can't see this, but I've got all the boxes of motions, soft and beautiful, just for me, olive miracle, olive oil girls, optimum, dark and lovely. They're all very beautiful black women with ex gorgeous hair, yes. but yes. it's not natural. It's all it's not natural. That's right. It's processed. It's processed. And, and let me just say this. Um, that's fine. You know, women should be allowed to look any way they want. If they want straight hair, have straight hair. If you want to have curly, you want to have any form of uh, hair you want. All I'm saying is just be careful and be knowledgeable and don't choose the products which contain these chemicals. Try and choose ones that will do no harm or limit mm -hmm. your harm. Mm -hmm. um, that has to be possible. There must be relaxers out there which don't contain these products. Um, 
So that's where we are. It it's, uh, a, really relates back, and we were talking about this before, to the slave times mm-hmm. uh, back in the 18, 17 and 1800s. Part of it was practical, as I understand it, which is you're out in the fields every day um, in blazing heat. They covered up their hair or they cut their hair. But part of it was social with, um, you know, the, the, the slave owners and their wives wanting black women to change their hair, to look more like what they would consider normal. Um, one of the things, I think I knew this, but to read about it is quite extraordinary. The hot irons, which were used to press on women's hair, the hot, which you mentioned, the hot combs, the steel yes. combs, the pull yes. through their hair. It's kind of, it's, it's extraordinary to read about. And it is. Through. Um, and now they're not being forced to do it, but they're doing it anyway. They're um, doing it anyway. And, and right. men and women have had to go through this. Well, and men, yeah, and men who have worn locks, dreads, braids, in order for them to be accepted in corporate America, they have to cut their hair. Scotty's had to cut his hair right. because he wore locks. And then when he went to corporate America, he had to cut his hair because that's unacceptable. Right. But it's, it's my belief that, and I used to press my hair. I used to get perms. I used to every, I don't think there's a woman that I know that has never gotten a perm. Every mm. woman that I know, if I know a thousand women, all of them have been in the chair to get a perm. Every single one of them. The right. other is that unfortunately in some hoods, if you will, some communities, if you will, women just aren't going to say anything. They're just going to look at this as, oh, well, it happened. And uh, let me go see what I can do about it. And they won't think that this is as a result of having a chemical on their hair. Most people don't understand that what you put on your skin, your epidermis goes through your entire body. Mm-hmm. Most people don't read labels. I'm a ladle. I'm a fanatic when it comes to reading labels. I read labels, everything. I read labels on a bottle of water. So you have to know what's well, happening. And I have to I have to interrupt you there for two things. The first one, practical. One of the reasons we're suing is these chemicals are not listed on the back of these boxes. The FDA doesn't require it and the the other statute because it's not with labeling. Ingested. Well, because it's usually bonded to another thing like perfume, which isn't require, required to be listed. So they get away with not listing it. But the other thing, and uh, I'm sure my wife wouldn't want me to tell you this, is uh, I have experienced myself of um, having a perm when I... First, got, just before we got married, we were in Ireland, and I went to get my hair trimmed. And the lady who did it said to me, and I was sh- suffering from jet lag at the time, she said, do you want it to look full? And I said, well, of course. Fell asleep, woke up, bag on my head, incredible smell in my nostrils. My wife, before the marriage, cried her eyes out when she saw me. Although I thought I looked good. But I know what you're talking about, the heat. <laughs> In the head, yes, yes, 
I cannot believe people do this over and over because yes, it was horrible and it smelled horrible. Yes. I thought I looked fabulous, by the way. Yeah. Um, my wife had a different opinion, but what are you going to do? Um, but you're right. Part of this, you're never going to stop people wanting to do things to their hair. At and any cost. At any cost. Yeah, of course. He, but it's like tobacco smoking. Mm -hmm. um, if people want to smoke, of course they can. Not around me, please, but you can. But what has happened over the last, what, 30 years is people now have the information to hand. If you smoke, you're likely to get lung cancer. Now, if you want to smoke and get lung cancer, okay, that's fine. We live in an open, free society, basically, where you are allowed to do that. And if you want to use a really harsh relaxant because you want dead straight hair, Go ahead, but be aware when you get older, um, it's not just that you may have um, uh, uterine cancer. There is altered nervous system, immune functions, respiratory problems, metabolic issues, diabetes, cardiovascular problems, neurological and learning disabilities. There's a whole host of things which will affect you. But again, if you want to do that and you're aware of the problem, I don't want to stop you. But I would like women to be aware of this. Right. Um, yes. Uh, we, we're not suing for men, but one of the things I ha did read in one of the studies is the black men who use these relaxants relaxers mm -hmm. suffer from endometriosis. They can suffer from abnormalities in their reproductive organs. The uh, many different kinds of cancers, altered nervous system, etc. They should be aware of it too. Um, but I, I don't, I'm not, I can't speak as an expert here. I don't know if black men use these products as much as black women. They don't use them as much as black women have and continue to use them. However, I didn't know that a man could get endometriosis. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, that's as a result. It's based of on the nature of the chemicals, um, there are uh, the most significant chemicals are called, um, well, they're, they're to do with the endocrine system, phthalates, which is, I should spell that because I probably haven't pronounced it as beautifully as I could have P H T H A L A T E S. Mm -hmm. This is in all of these products. Um, and it's also used in PVC. And the actual, um, I'm going to read it because it's so long, di-2-ethylhexyphthalate is the most significant one. It's called a DEHP. -E it's a highly toxic chemical found in a lot of these products. Um, the men do use it. I haven't focused on that. Um, I just haven't. I, I'm dealing with women. And one thing to know about these chemicals is the no observable effect limit, which is known as the NOEL. You're looking for that number um, to determine, well, how much of this, if I ingest it or I uh, absorb it through my skin, what's the dangerous amount? And the NOEL for these products is less than zero. It's so low 
that the no observable effect level essentially means they're dangerous at any concentration. So it's to be avoided. So you avoid um, developmental abnormalities, reproductive dysfunction, infertility, and black girls are using these products. Yes. Yes. Uh, at a very young age, which yeah. results in these these abnormalities occurring at a younger age than they used to. So, Attorney Grimm, and, how did you find out? You all are not in discovery yet. So tell us where you found out, because you didn't get that information from the label about the danger no. zone yes. that you're automatically in. Where and I how got did it, you learn that? I got it the old-fashioned way, a friend told me. Um, oh, He's another lawyer. We've done a number of cases together. He's beyond fascinated. Uh, he goes to all sorts of conventions. He's fascinated by um, toxicity and chemicals. Mm-hmm. He's had cancer. I've had cancer. Um, the studies he showed me, to the extent I actually truly understood them, were kind of extraordinary. They're all fairly recent. This started with an, an emphasis on this sort of investigation. Didn't start until like I'm looking at one of them here, 2018. Really? The, most, the most recent study was October wow. of 2022. So mm-hmm. These are recent studies. I think in the past, people who've been interested have always assumed there was um, health-related problems related to this. But now we have actual studies which confirm the problem. Um, and so it's recent. And it's it's rather significant. The incidence in black women of uterine cancer is twice that of white women. And you know what? The interesting thing is that there are so many studies that determine that black women have these incidents of these cancers far mm-hmm. more often than white women or any other ethnicity, any other right. race, but it's never been said it could be related to any toxic chemical. But right. we know that it has most of the time we say it's related to food. Mm-hmm. Most of the time we say it's related to food, something completely ancillary. We never ever related to something that we have used to enhance ourselves. It's the same thing with lipsticks. It's the same thing with foundation. It's the same thing with creams. Women do not typically think that there's any relation to what's going on. And of course there is. If you can ingest food that contains toxic chemicals and you're taking a chance, then what do you think about these really toxic things that you're using? And just as you said, that burning sensation that that relaxer put on your head, I know people who have said, take it off, take it off, take it off, because it burns like crazy. Right. It's so damaging. It's it it's so intense. There's some people that over your brain. Yes. Over your brain. Over the brain. Yes. With heat. The briars. With heat. With heat. That's right. That's absolutely right. And the other thing is that we don't really talk about is that Big Pharma, oh, Lord, Big Pharma, 
Bill doesn't care that this is something that happens to black women. They're only interested in profits. That's why the C word will never, ever be cured. For our listeners, what is the connection? And I want to explain a minute about product liability for just a moment. And then I want to make the connection between big pharma and hair relaxers, because hair care products are not medical products. They're not pharmaceuticals. So we'll get to that in a minute. This connection, why we keep relating big pharma to hair relaxers. Obviously, the more sick people, the better, because big pharma then can sell their medications and surgery. So they maybe they want everybody to be sick all the time from everything. But but I don't know. But 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 first, I want our listeners to appreciate how society changes with better litigation and then laws that are enacted after scientific discoveries. You've heard attorney Anthony Graham explain how scientific discoveries, the ones of which he's aware, going back five years ago from 2018, continuing into 2022, some of them replicable, more and more will come out. Copycat research is good. That's what you want in in chemistry, in biology. So we have that. And the way the world works is that, for example, cars, something we all understand. We all have heard of Ralph Nader, the father of the modern consumer movement, which is based on information. What was his breakout claim to fame? The 1963 Dodge Dart. Unsafe at any speed. Mm -hmm. He found through litigation in public citizen is the public interest law firm, uh, now associated with Ralph Nader, who's still alive, kicking and publishing a newspaper on Capitol Hill. Um, Ralph Nader, who was the went to Harvard Law School and was editor-in-chief of the Harvard Law Record independent newspaper, he's still here in the 50s. Uh, Ralph Nader found in discovery during the lawsuit, when you get a bunch of even confidential information about what these companies manufacturing these relaxers and other chemicals knew and when they knew it and when they chose and at what points they chose to cover it up or stay with the cheap alternative that caused the cancer. You find all of that out if it's there. So the car example, when a lot of this got going with the consumer rights and information movement, the Dodge Dart was found to have some sort of, and maybe it was a Ford Pinto or whatever, whatever cars they were, There was a simple cheap fix for, let's say, $5 that the automaker could have done to prevent a bunch of blowing up and deaths. I may be conflating the Pinto and the Dodge Dart. I don't want to slur the wrong American car company. But the point is that we found in the law and the litigation that the companies knew, and we also found out through litigation that tobacco companies knew that nicotine was deadly and addictive and cigarettes and carcinogenic, and they gave my father went to the University of Kentucky from 1957 to 1961 and said, Amos, I never had to pay for my smokes. They gave away cigarettes for free at the student union by the pack. Yes. And of course, he said, you know, we knew what we were doing. There was something wrong. My father is a Baptist minister. He said, we knew there was something wrong. Dr. King was a smoker. In fact, when he was shot in the mouth, in the face, on the balcony, Reverend Billy Kyles went out and removed the cigarette. It was shameful because even before the it was known that it was kind of wrong, but they didn't know it was carcinogenic and deadly and there was a conspiracy not to care and make profits. So what Attorney Graham is talking about 
is the information in the science that animate the victims who understand, wait a minute, I was wrong. And we might find out in these cases that a chemical that was only $8 more per box not only might have prevented all this cancer, but might have even had health benefits like Botox. Because now they're finding out that evidently Botox helps with migraines and things like that. So I say all of that so that we understand how important it is for private researchers and university researchers and others to do this research and make these discoveries and disseminate that information so that consumers, attorneys, and others in the public can determine, wait a minute, somebody has to pay for this, which is attorney Graham. When I taught school, law school full time for years, I used to tell my students the number one question that every course in our first year of law school answers is somebody has to pay for this. The answer to the question, who's going to pay for this? And that is allocated. So that's very important because that's justice. So now we know how bad they are. I think the tragedy is that some of our African-American universities with research labs we're not faster in figuring this out. Mm-hmm. I hold African-Americans to a high standard. If George Washington Carver could find a thousand uses for peanuts at Tuskegee in the 1940s and 50s, I don't understand why our well-funded and endowed yes. lab at our research universities now with all these black PhDs didn't figure out that we were killing ourselves with relaxers 25 or 35 years ago. Yeah, I'm we need to hire you. better researchers and scholars. Absolutely. So, Back to Colette, let's explain the relationship, and maybe I have already, in the ecosystem between Big Pharma and its interests, if any, in this situation. I don't think black women and stuff are bad products. I don't think Big Pharma has an interest. I think that Big Pharma does not want to make or does not want to appear to be culpable in what damage has been done, but the only way that Big Pharma can get out of it is to say, that wasn't my product. That wasn't my product. But they know that that is their product. And it's the same thing with folks not taking the the cure for cancer out of the refrigerator. Because anybody worth their salt knows that there's a cure for cancer. Everybody knows that there's a cure. Come on, really, people? Oh, I know what you mean. I'm going to say I'm going to I'm going to say something very white now. Um, (laughs) I think Big Pharma has only one interest in black women, and it's money. Money. You're just money Money. to them. Just money. If it causes you pain or causes you infertility or kills you, yeah. eh, my and guess is the, my it's guess the cost, is it's the cost like of doing with business. Ralph Nader's situation. Right. There's a memo, probably from decades ago, where they did a cost-benefit analysis. How many black women are going to get cancer because we're using this product? And some guy figured it out. And then the more important question: who's gonna sue? Because yes. black women are not particularly litigious and how many lawyers are going to sue for black women because uh well i mean there's more money to be made in other areas that's right i 
I'm an older white guy, so I've kind of made enough money where now I kind of do things that interest me more than anything else. Mm-hmm. That's not meaning I don't want to make any money, but absolutely, it, it does mean that sometimes you find an area and think, because what I have to say to the doctor and to you, my biggest surprise when Neil, who's my colleague, his name's Neil Roberts, when he said this to me, I said, someone will have sued. I mean, it's blatant. Even I, a relative, I'm, I'm not a scientist. I'm certainly not a chemist. I understand this. Someone has sued somewhere. And he said, I've looked. There's just no lawsuits. I said, there's a black attorney out there who will do this for his people. And there isn't. And, and there isn't. And, and I'm sure the one thing that the black attorneys have said, and Amos, you'll know this. The one thing is, how are you going to prove it? How are you going? How are you going to prove it that Big Pharma is at well, fault? How are you going well, to prove? It? I'll say something about class actions and why I was I have so unequivocally endorsed Anthony Graham, who I never saw them until this evening. <laughs> um, I've been telling people for, for ever since I've tried. Black lawyers aren't allowed to bring class actions. It's too much money. They don't. It's expensive. Then if you haven't done it before, the court says it's inadequate representation. So there is a push out there, and I've talked to some white class action founding fathers, in a sense, who are trying to have more blacks represented literally at the table in the court and in these cases because it's just one of those things where you have to have so much money and depth of resources. And even then, you can lose. You can put millions of dollars in a case as an attorney and lose. You have to be able to afford to lose that money. So That's a true horror story, by the way. You spend five years and incredible amounts of money and you lose. Um, Class actions are the best way to handle something like this, but they are also very time-consuming. This is not a case you file it on a Monday, you have a trial six months later, and it's all over within a year. No. This will be um, years long because right. the companies involved will. F- I'm going to say this. So my wife said I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. The lawyers representing Big Pharma are very wealthy. Oh, yeah. And the one thing they want to do in life is get wealthier. Yes. And the only way you do that is to fight these cases as long as possible. So they'll go three, four, five years, and then they'll turn around and they'll make a settlement offer, which will involve redoing the product using a different chemical, which they could have done, you know, four years earlier. But, and I'm not disrespecting anyone at, uh, I used to work at a very large law firm, not disrespecting them at all, but the economics of the law for a large law firm representing, in this case, one of the defendants is L'Oreal. They're going to look at the case, if you're a lawyer at a large firm, and say, I can keep this going four or five years easy. I don't look at it quite that way. I would rather get it done, get the change, and try and do as much as I can to help whoever I can. Right. Uh, So we're coming at it from different angles. But uh, Dr. Jones was right. A lot of lawyers are frightened of these cases yeah. because 
when you go to um, one of the meetings you'll have, you sit down on one side of the table. There could be 30 lawyers on the other side of the table, all right. in $10,000 suits, yes. all very, yes. very, very impressed with themselves. Um, and I have found uh, the one, one of the benefits I have, probably from an English education, is that I assume I'm better than everyone else in the room. Um, so that never bothers me. I actually kind of enjoy being in a room with 30 people on the other side uh, because that's what they'll need. I said that to some of them. I think the reason this is a good case, I'm going to tell you in a minute who wrote the leading study. Uh, I haven't yet because... Um, well, uh, I will tell you in a minute. The leading study here was not done by an American. It wasn't done by a black man or a black woman. It was done by someone in China. Really? Wow. Her name is Che Yung Chang. Really? Che Yung Chang. I, I, I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that correctly. Who wrote The Use of Straighteners and Other Hair Products. An Incident of Uterine Cancer, the Journal of the National Cancer Institute, October 17, 2022. For some reason, he became interested in this, and he's done a major study, which also involves a lot of prior work done by other people, most of whom don't appear to be American for some reason. Uh, why they got interested in this, I don't know, but they're all specialists in phthalates and what are called endocrine disrupting chemicals endocrine and you, disrupting endo, chemicals. endocrine, endocrine, endocrine yeah. disrupting chemicals and you know what right. it just amos struck a chord my aunt uh left this earth in 1989 and she did everybody's hair mm -hmm. she did everybody's hair everybody in the family she pierced our ears she straightened our hair. She pressed our hair. She also did relaxes. She did all that. She had uterine, C word. Right. And it would not, and, and my grandmother, her mother, was enraged when the hospital called and said that she was gone. And my grandmother was enraged and she told Kaiser she was going to sue them. Big, 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 big. Kaiser said, have at it. We're insulated. We've got lawsuits 10 blocks long. Join the crowd. We get sued every day. No big deal. Join the crowd. And that is the feeling. That is the, the, the comment that women get constantly. Go right ahead. Sure. We're insulated, we're padded. We got more attorneys than you have hours to live. Right. Okay, so they don't have to think about it. They don't have to think about it. And I probably told you this, uh, Anthony, <clears throat> I was taking HRT because I started menopause at the age of 32. Wow. My, my OBGYN put me on hormone replacement therapy. Well, 18, late, 18 years later, a lump was discovered. I had a lump. So I had first stage one centimeter. I had a lumpectomy. I started four rounds of chemo. I had six weeks of radiation. 
during my chemo treatments and they came, I had four, they came every two, three weeks. And the doctor said, I didn't have to take it. It was uh, additional insurance. They called it just additional insurance, just to ensure that it wouldn't come back or something else. So when I got the diagnosis, I was completely floored because I do everything right. I eat right. I don't smoke. I don't drink. I don't do anything stupid. I this, that, 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 that. I went on and on and on. Well, during my uh, chemo treatments, I read an article about hormone replacement therapy. And in that article, there were 200 women who participated in this clinical study, a clinical trial about hormone replacement therapy. In the middle of the trial, they had to stop the trial because 100 women developed lumps. Half the women in the trial developed lumps. This was in 2001. Mm. Okay. Now, in the right situation, doctors will say, do not take hormone replacement therapy. Then in another situation, we'll say, yeah, well, you know what? It, it, it's dangerous, but not really. Because we it, it helps with uh, uh, calming heart attack, uh, vaginal dryness, uh, temperament, comes up with all of these things. And everything that they gave me, I thought, those are the things that I can control. But if I'm taking hormone replacement therapy, you're not going to tell me how dangerous it is. And they didn't tell me how dangerous it is. They never told me. And when I told my OBGYN that I had a lumpectomy, he didn't even know it. And he told me the day that I said, Dr. Schwimmer, don't you have my chart? And he told me, no. I said, so you don't know what happened? He said, no. I said, so you don't know that I had a lumpectomy? No. You told me to take hormone replacement therapy. You had me on it for 18 years, consistently for 18 years. So my point to all of this is that there's, and I'm positive, I know it like I know my name. There are hundreds of thousands of women out there who have this and don't know the cause. My right. grandmother knew that my aunt should not have left this earth with uterine cancer. My grandmother knew it. Kaiser told her, so what? Okay, Sue, get in line. I will say, I, I don't think that's my experience representing um, white women in some malpractice actions. They have sort of the same um, experience with doctors. The uh -huh. there's, a, a, the there's a lack of um, understanding, a lack of empathy, a lack of interest that is endemic. And I think that's that's a female issue that that is a real problem with doctors. Um, if men I don't know what to we doctor, do about that. Pardon if me? men went to the if men went to the doctor, they'd have the same problem. Like, like, if, that yeah, may, the, now that may be true. That may the, well be if, true. They're, they're putting men on testosterone like that now. Like it's just so here's the thing. Hmm. This goes back to the incentives for defense firms to run these cases a long time. Right. At the core of everything, especially in an increasingly expensive world now, 
after we finally had inflation, after a long period of not and not having it, decades of no real inflation, and other pressures, um, income stratification and things, there's so much pressure to make more and more money, especially at that upper middle class level, not the top 1% at all, but that maybe bottom of the top 10%, where the doctors are and where most lawyers operate. I have on my website, Anthony Graham, at amosjoneslawfirm.com, and this is for defendants who get my initial demand letter when it goes to the company and not their lawyer, because I don't know that they're represented. I have on the website that I hope they go and read, watch out, you company, for your defense attorney who's going to insist that you have a defense only to tell you eight years later that you don't and the settlement will be 10 times more. Why? Because they will churn and burn you on your confirmation bias, wanting to believe that you didn't kill all these black women. And they'll feed that to you when you get served. And they'll, and so my, my antidote to that, Anthony Graham, is why don't defense lawyers work on a contingency? If they're so sure it's getting dismissed, let them get paid if and only if the case gets taught. Why don't yes. doctors and surgeons work on yes. contingency like lawyers yes. do a lot? I'll if tell you, you die in the surgery, you don't have to pay. One of the things I can say to you Mm -hmm. that I think um, would be a very good thing to have in America is what's called the English rule, which is loser pays. That is, if you lose the lawsuit, you not only pay your own attorney's fees, you have to pay opposing counsel's attorney's fees. Wow. It discourages... um, nonsensical cases, but it also is a really powerful um, incentive to defendants to really think about, do I have a defense? What's my defense going to be? Or should I just settle this now and get out early so I don't have to pay Tony Graham's attorney's fees? Because he's going to be expensive. Mm -hmm. That, I think, is... It's one of the few things I would say to you is better in the British system than here. Because mm-hmm. here, everything encourages the case to take forever. Yes. Yeah. yeah. We don't have discovery, so that saves some money. But I think that would help the American system tremendously. Um, and I wouldn't have to deal with so many um, lawyers who maybe are thinking about how do I pay for wife number three oh, God. rather yeah. than mm-hmm. how do I get get my right. client out of this lawsuit. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, my wife said I shouldn't say that. As you can tell, I don't know. But that's what it is. Yes. But it's but, the reality. He, uh, Dr. Jones knows, as well right. as I do. They yes. stroll oh, up right. in a BMW or a Porsche, especially if they're an older lawyer who looks mm-hmm. stupid in a Porsche. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, they have to pay for this stuff, and they get a new one every year. Yeah. And they live in a house which is way too expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, in California. It, it, it's oh, like, man. actually, when I think about it, I suppose they're victims the way, the way black women are in a way. They're encouraged to think there's a certain way to live, which involves in California, yes. incredible mm-hmm. amounts of money. Yes. Um, and so it leads them down this path where when their daughter says, Dad, what kind of case are you handling today? They really don't want to talk to their daughter because it's, well, 
I'm really trying to beat these black women mm -hmm. who have cancer from my client's product. Mm -hmm. Whereas I can say to my daughter, I'm trying to help these black women who've gotten cancer from these, these uh, big pharma. Um, right. But anyway, I digress. Yeah. Well, you know what, Tony, we're going to have to do this again. As I said in the beginning, this is not just one show. This is going to be a series of shows. We've got Dr. Francesca Fajinmi on who is from Nigeria. And there are a lot of things that we can also talk about with her involved in this conversation. This is not something that we're going to do with just one time. And I want the listening audience to know that this is something that is going to go on for quite a while until you tell us, Anthony, that you've got enough clients and we can't do this anymore. We've got 10,000 women on here. We need to get women to understand how important this is. We need to get them to understand that this is life-saving. This is life-saving and we've and got to, to have honest, them on. That they do have, and this is the hardest thing I think, to explain to ordinary everyday people, you actually do have power. Absolutely. Part of it's the power of the, the, the checkbook, yes. the power of the wallet that is don't buy the products. And part of it is complaining. Mm -hmm. Why are mm -hmm. you selling it? Write to them. Talk about mm -hmm. it. Why are you selling mm -hmm. this product when you know what it does? Yes. You know, and they do know yes. what these products do. They do know. Um, they do know. Yes. So that's what I, one of the things I've learned over the years is, uh, and I hate to use this word, but people can be empowered. Yes. If, but they have to realize for themselves, um, yes, you know, this English guy went to good schools. He's very smart. He's got that voice. But I'm the one who could really do something. Yes. That is the woman or the man. Mm -hmm. I'm the victim. I'm the plaintiff. I can help mm -hmm. myself. I can help however many thousands of women have gotten cancer because of these products. And it it really only takes one. That's right. It only takes one. So, so, Anthony, let's wind this down. We only have a few minutes left. Let's wind this down. Please give the audience your information and how to get in touch with you. And I'd like for you to do the same thing, uh, attorney, both attorneys. Both of you. Only, only Anthony tonight. And Anthony, tell them exactly the person who's the, you know, the best fit, which is probably someone with uterine cancer or yes. who's a oh, representing yeah. an estate that had cancer it, and can show absolutely. that they use this product that has the receipts or the box or something that shows they use the, the, the right. hairdresser. It's you tonight. You go so that's exactly right. You want someone who can show that they've used the product over a series of years, who can, who has had uh, or currently has uterine or ovarian cancer, because that's the other one. Um, and the most important thing is willing and able, because although you won't have anything like my investment of time, there will be some investment of time and there will have to be a willingness at some point to sit down first with me and then later with opposing counsel and share your lived experience um, and what this thing did to you and what you went through because of it um, right. and the willingness to do that. And that isn't an easy thing to do. Um, 
but I know there are women out there who can do it. Right. Well, we're going to continue this dialogue. We're going to continue this conversation. It is extremely important. Amos Jones, as I said in the very beginning, you're coming back with me on this topic. We're going to talk to attorney Anthony Graham, who's in Orange County, Orange County, California. Can I give a phone number? Please. Absolutely. All right. It's area code 949-270-2792. That's my phone number in my office phone, phone number in Orange County. Um, we operate throughout the West Coast. Um, call, leave a message, give your name um, and phone number and email if you have it. And very short little um statement of, you know, I have had it. Here's what I did. um, And I'd like to talk to me and I'll call them back. Okay. And the number again? 949-270. And what were the last four? I'm putting it in the chat. 2792. Got it. 792. Okay. And I should tell you, uh, I should tell you the products. Do you want to know the products? The we're suing on? Yes. Yeah. Okay. The products are called African Pride. African Pride. Dark, African Pride. Dark African and lovely. And lovely. Mm-hmm. Just for me. Jeez. Motions. ORS olive oil and TCB hair relaxers. The companies are L'Oreal, Soft Sheen, Domoviva, Dabua. Namaste Laboratories and Strength of Nature. Those are the companies involved. We think there'll be more, but we're doing more research. But right now, those are the ones we know have high levels of these chemicals. Okay. Um, so uh, African Pride, Dark and Lovely, Just For Me, Motions, ORS, Olive Oil, TCB Hair Relaxer. Right. Um, and, and I know all of those. I know all of those. Okay. Well, thank you. Don't use any of them. Yeah, don't use them. Thank you so very much. We are out of time, unfortunately. And attorney Anthony Graham, we will have you back next month. And we're going to continue this conversation. And thank you so very much. And attorney Amos Jones will be back with us to continue this dialogue. And so will Dr. Francesca Fajini. Thank you so much for joining us. You have been listening. You have been listening to Black Women Speak right here on Vision Media Group with Black Talk Radio Network. You can get this and all of our other shows on all of your major podcast platforms and all of your social media. Join us next week. Our dialogue continues. Thank you for joining us. It's after six o'clock. Thank you. Have a good evening, everyone. Take care. Bye-bye.